Hello, my name is Claire Sun, and I work in the Hong Kong office of Stevenson Howard. Stevenson Howard is an international law firm, and I work there with Syndicate and Richard Wong. They both specialize in resolving commercial disputes, and Richard is accredited mediator. The matter they are going to discuss in their telephone call follows their last podcast and relates to a fictional case. That case involves a long-term but imaginary client called Mr. Law, who is the proprietor of Foxy Investment Limited, a Hong Kong trading company. Their discussion and all the material in this podcast has been prepared by our firm for the purpose of information only. And while it does reflect the present state of the law, it does not constitute any specific legal advice. I hope you enjoy listening on their conversation. Hi, Cindy. It's Richard. I've heard from Mr. Law of Foxy Investments. He's got a continuing problem in relation to a trading contract. I recall that case. This is about the breach of contract by Spangled Hang Resources. We had previously discussed that Foxy Investments might argue for an implied term in the trading contract that Spangled Hang Resources would only present genuine documents to obtain payment under the letter of credit. Yes, the issues between Spangled Hang Resources and Foxy Investments have become clear, and proceedings now seem imminent. So Mr. Law has asked me about exploring a settlement prospect. Mr. Law is particularly keen to avoid the uncertainty and cost of instituting legal proceedings. Well, has Mr. Law considered mediation as an option to resolve the dispute? Mediation is a confidential process and has the added advantage of being a much quicker and cheaper method of dispute resolution as compared to litigation and arbitration. That said, the success of mediation depends on all the parties being willing to cooperate to identify and respond to viable solutions which will adequately address and resolve the issues in dispute. As mediation is a voluntary process, parties will usually sign a mediation agreement. If they are willing and keen to attend mediation, Mr. Law is new to mediation, and so we will need to explain to him the role of the mediator being a third party, and that the mediator will help the parties explore settlement. A mediator is appointed jointly by the parties. His role is to be a neutral third party to facilitate the process of mediation. A mediator does this by first discussing the issues with the parties to understand what they really want to achieve. Sometimes he does this together with both parties. But mostly in private one-on-one sessions with each party in turn. Unlike a judge, a mediator does not impose decisions on a party, but instead helps parties themselves identify mutually acceptable terms for resolution of the dispute. Mediation might be a good step to take now before the matter proceeds to legal proceedings. In some cases, the underlying contract mandates that mediation must occur before proceedings commence or even continue. However, that does not apply here. But Given Mr. Law's concern about costs and delay, mediation at this stage is sensible. In many jurisdictions, it is a requirement for parties to engage in mediation before proceeding with litigation. For example, this is the case in England and Wales, where the civil procedure rules imposes a requirement on parties to consider mediation as a form of alternative dispute resolution from the onset of a dispute and throughout the litigation process. If a party does not do so, Or fails to engage in mediation at the request of the other party, such conduct may be taken into consideration by the judge when making cost orders at the end of the case. But Richard, how will mediation take place here, given that Mr. Law is now in Hong Kong and Spegelham Resources are in Singapore? Does Mr. Law have to travel to Singapore, or does Spegelham Resources have to travel to Hong Kong? Happily, it's not necessary for the parties to be in the same place to have a mediation there. There is the possibility of remote mediation, which would save on the costs of travel, booking a meeting room, and the related costs. 
In some cases, such a remote mediation can be quicker than having face-to-face -face meetings, and the parties can move through the background issues rather more quickly. That's a good suggestion, but Mr Law will be bound to ask us how exactly remote mediation will work. Remote mediation is often carried out using video conferencing platforms. These would include apps such as Microsoft Teams or Zoom. Provided that parties have a reliable internet connection, a variety of devices can be used to participate in remote mediation. Those might include using a desktop computer, a laptop, a tablet, or even a smartphone. There are though some disadvantages. It's always difficult to replicate the immediacy and style of communication that parties can achieve in a physical mediation when you're doing it remotely. And remotely, the parties can sometimes be distracted during any downtime. However, the cost savings and convenience of remote mediation, and also the prospect that it might happen across a slightly longer duration, mitigate those disadvantages. Are there any practical matters which we should draw Mr Law's attention to so that he can be prepared for remote mediation? Yes, there are a number of preparatory steps that you need to take before you start remote mediation. One of these is to make sure that you have a common document set. This is so that each participant to the remote mediation is working from the same document. So here you would need to have a simple paginated bundle and that would contain the contract between the parties here. Another important feature is to make sure that you have a good internet connection and good equipment. Usually for remote mediations, a video connection is preferable to audio only, as it's far easier for a speaker to communicate their meaning when they can be seen and also to express their body language. Video connection keeps the parties more engaged in the remote mediation. However, video conferencing platforms rely on each person attending the mediation having an adequate internet connection and so, in advance of the mediation, the mediator must usually arrange a test meeting with each party to ensure that the technology available is working and is stable. Also, a contingency plan needs to be discussed and put in place. Often that might involve defaulting back to audio only if a video connection mediation cannot be continued. The mediator should also ensure that any recording function in the video software is disabled. However, he should also be aware that it is more difficult to prevent covert recording of without prejudice discussions than it would be when a face-to-face -face mediation is occurring. It's interesting that you mentioned this, Richard, as one of the key attractions of mediation is confidentiality, as we discussed earlier. So how do parties handle issues of confidentiality in a remote mediation setting? Confidentiality is vital in any form of mediation, particularly remote mediation. Confidentiality expectations are set out in the mediation agreement and are recorded in the signed undertakings from every participant. The mediator needs to take particular attention to ensuring that all participants in a remote mediation are subject to the confidentiality undertaking, hence the desirability of a video connection so the mediator can see the participants. In any event, the parties must be reminded that the mediation should not be overheard or interrupted by anyone who is not a party to the mediation and who has not signed the confidentiality undertaking. Finally, we will need to explain to Mr Law what will happen at the end of the mediation, say if an agreement is reached to resolve the dispute. Yes, we're hopeful that agreement will be reached during this remote mediation. If it is, that agreement must be legally documented with drafts of the settlement agreement circulated promptly between the parties. With that in mind, it's a good idea for the mediator 
to have a template settlement agreement ready. It's also essential to have the technology lined up to finalise the drafting of the settlement agreement by way of email or ideally by screen share. Parties can then choose to sign the settlement agreement in counterparts and will often make use of electronic signatures to execute the settlement agreement remotely. Those are very useful points, Richard, and we shall draw Mr Law's attention to these. Shall I convene a meeting with Mr Law later this week to take this forward? Yes, that's a good idea. But could I suggest that because of the current requirements on social distancing, that we might have a meeting by way of Zoom call? I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Goodbye for now.